The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Now it's hot here in the East. (laughs) Mike Opelka, Pure Opelka. Hello, friends. First of all, thank you guys. Thank you. Uh, Just got a memo from the bosses that last week you guys lifted this program. You guys not only listened to it when it was on uh, with Glenn Beck, but you lifted this program numbers-wise last week. And that means a whole lot to us. It means a whole lot to all of us who put in time on this show. That when we see our tune-in numbers from the, uh, the podcast stuff and from checking us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff, when we see a spike in numbers like that, it, it means a whole lot. But it also means that they expect the same thing next week, so we got to do it right. <laughs> we have to bring it. And we will. We have a lot to talk about. There's much going on. I know, I know. I got a lot of email from you cats on Saturday saying, uh, where are you? And the travel schedule just put me unable to be here Saturday morning. So I'm here, but I'm glad you're here. Um Enjoyed being in for Glenn Beck and all of you who sent Glenn a note saying this was good. Thank you, because maybe if he goes on vacation again, I'll get the same opportunity. And okay, where do we go today? It's going to be another blockbuster week. It's another week with the focus on Washington, D.C. and some of these hearings. Tomorrow at this same bad time, we will have uh, Jeff Sessions. And Sessions, many people thought, was going to testify in, um, in a closed-door session. In other words, a private questioning of the Senate Intelligence Committee. But it looks like this one's going to be open and televised. And I'm, I'm sorry CNN doesn't have a... Oh, they do have a countdown clock up. They're just saying he should testify before 2 p.m. tomorrow. And as they get closer and closer to that, I'm sure we will hear more. Uh, I will talk more about Jeff Sessions and what he's expected to say. The president just concluded a very public televised cabinet meeting with the entire cabinet. And he opened it up by letting everybody know that the reason why he hasn't had the 
full cabinet meeting is because the Democrats have been obstructionist. And the Democrats have basically kept the president from having a full cabinet until just this this week. I do admit it, it seemed a little bit like the boardroom on The Celebrity Apprentice. Kind of felt that way. Did anyone else watch any of that? It's over now. It was just kind of weird. But the president came out, made a statement, and then he threw it around the room to a couple people. We heard from Rex Tillerson. We heard from Nikki Haley and a couple others. But we'll see what, what comes of this week. Uh, in terms of in terms of the the outcome of these committee meetings, these hearings, I really think I really think I gotta take Louis Gomert's side on this. And if you weren't here Friday, Congressman Gomert of the first district of the state of Texas was on in the third hour of the Glenn Beck program. And he said, look, we have a special counselor. Let him investigate. Let us get on with things because we need, we need to get some, some legislative action going in case the GOP were to lose the House in 2018. That you have to have a whole bunch of stuff you've already accomplished instead of waiting for all this to clear up. And Louis's right. You should be doing things instead of waiting around to see what happens in 2018. And right now, based on how their calendar works, unless they all have clones and they're doing double duty, they're, they're not going to have much to get done by the end of the year. And then by the time 2018 rolls around, they're all going to be saying, well, well, you know, it's 2018. Yeah, we all have to concentrate on getting reelected. No, you don't. You have to concentrate on on doing the job the people hired you to do. It's going to get me all wound up early, I know. Uh, Also today on the show, I want to hear from you guys. I have a couple of vital questions today. A couple of them. And, And if you were up early this morning, you saw me pop the vital question early because I was thinking about it. And um, it deals with what the president said last week. The president was talking about the, uh, the situation with the tapes. Friday, he was asked in, in the Rose Garden when he had, he had the little um, the, the meeting that, you know, what, what are we doing? Are there tapes of the Comey conversation? Currently, in the vital question, uh, the president says we'll find out if there are tapes of the Comey conversation in a matter of days. Do you believe there are tapes? 21% of you say yes. 70% say no. 70% say no. Why do you say no? Probably because the president had a pretty interesting take on it. Referring to the testimony of James Comey vindicating you. But I wondered if you could tell us in person, sir, why you feel that his testimony vindicated you when it's really boils down to his word against your word. And if you could also tell us, sir, do tapes exist of your conversations with him? Well, I'll tell you about that maybe sometime in the very near future. But uh, in the meantime, no collusion, no obstruction. He's a leaker. But we want to get back to running our great country. Jobs, trade deficits, we want them to disappear fast. North Korea, big problem. 
Middle East, a big problem. So that's what I am focused on. That's what I have been focused on. I, I love the middle of that. First of all, the, the president takes him, takes the reporter off his pace and uh, changes the subject. But I love in the middle of this, the summation of the Comey. Uh, in the meantime, no collusion, no obstruction. He's a leaker. No collusion, no obstruction. He's a leaker. That was typical like campaign trail stuff. But the reporter pressed him again, and the president had to give some kind of answer. And I thought this one also leads me to think no, but you never know with this guy. This is where I think a lot of you are voting no, there can't be any tapes. You seem to be hinting that there are recordings of those conversations. I'm not hinting anything. I'll tell you about it over a very short period of time. When is that? Okay. Okay. Do you have a question here? When, when, when will you tell us about the recording? Over a fairly short period of time. Are there tapes, sir? Oh, you're going to be very disappointed when you hear the end, so don't worry. See, I think that last part is the, is the tell. You're going to be very disappointed when you hear the answer. You're going to be very disappointed when you hear the answer. And that's because I, I believe most of those people don't think there are. They, they think there are tapes and they're waiting for the tapes to appear. But when Donald Trump says, uh, I'll tell you in a matter of days and you're going to be very disappointed when you hear the answer. I think that's him saying no tapes and don't you feel stu stupid being trolled by me after all these, all these weeks and weeks and weeks of doing this. I, he's a master, isn't he? He just held an apprentice boardroom like with, with his, his entire cabinet. All right. The, the, so the president is going to, to tell us about the tapes. That could be any day this week. Uh, we have Jess, Jeff Sessions testifying before Congress tomorrow. He has requested an open testimony. And, um, and then we had the, the fact that yesterday, Dianne Feinstein, Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, appeared to be calling for another investigation, but this time not into Donald Trump. This time it appears to be calling for an investigation into former Attorney General Loretta Lynch as it related to Lynch and what some people have said was obstruction of justice or meddling, kind of a big word in D.C. these days, or meddling in the... Uh, in the investigation of the Hillary Clinton email story. Do you worry about the president's fitness for office? I think um, he here's the problem. Republican or Democrat, when you serve in either the House or the Senate, you are accustomed to stability in the White House. You are accustomed to the protocols that go along with it. Um, you are very careful about what you do and what you say. All of that is out the window now. First of all, interesting that Feinstein did not even touch on the question of President Trump being fit to serve. Nothing about that. Just saying that you can't trust on the White House in terms of reliability of information. But this is when she dives into this story and starts wandering into yet 
the discussion of another special investigation. Does so that make what him we fit are or feeling unfit? is that every day is a new crisis. And that is, has a destabilizing effect because we've got big issues to solve. Uh, we've got a huge opioid epidemic. We've got health care that needs to be tended to. Okay, this is, the, this is the wrong clip from me. I have another clip from Diane Feinstein where she actually lays out the reason why she wants, um, she wants Loretta Lynch investigated. Here is the second part of that. Answer that. I would have a queasy feeling too, though. To be. She was talking about James Comey saying that he had a queasy feeling when Loretta Lynch told him to use the word matter instead of the word investigation into Hillary Clinton. He wanted, uh, he wanted to use the word investigation. She wanted him to change it and say matter. And that's straight up Democratic talking points ended with you. Um, I think we need to know more about that. And there's only one way to know about it, and that's to have the Judiciary Committee take a look at that. So you think it's worth investigating if, in a way, this was semantic cover given to the Clinton campaign? What was clearly an investigation being described? Yeah, but this is a separate investigation of course, talking about. Yes. And I don't think we should mix the two. Uh, right now... Yeah. She's actually right on that. But here's the deal. There should have been an investigation into Loretta Lynch, what she did on the tarmac, and then maybe Comey would have come forward at that time and said, you know, there's a bigger problem here, and that's the fact that Loretta Lynch directed me to change the language I was using when I was discussing the entire investigation into Hillary Clinton. She did not want it to be an investigation. She wanted it to be a matter, a matter, very shady, very shady, Loretta Lynch. Now, this is a Democrat calling for this, a Democrat. And I know that just ha having another investigation means things could slow down in the House and the Senate. They couldn't get any slower at this point. And frankly, I'd feel much better investigating Hillary Clinton because we, in fact, know there is a there there. I wonder if Democrats will sour on James Comey. <laughs> you know, they like him again. And now if, if his statement on Hillary Clinton and the matter comes out and forces another investigation into both Loretta Lynch and Hillary Clinton, they might fall out of love with him again. I, see, I think I've got a new clip of all the Democrats falling in love with James Comey once again. They, they love them. They hate them. They love them. They hate them. They love them right now. Let's see if maybe they're going to hate them again. Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka on a Monday, kicking things off on the Blaze Radio Network. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. 
To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. I will tell you the numbers are holding solid on my vital question today. The first vital question of the day. There's a second one coming up. First vital question. It's on Twitter. If you go to my Twitter account at StuntBrain, you'll see it. It's right there at the very top. I pinned it to the page, to my profile. Uh The president says, we'll find out if there are tapes of the Comey convo in a matter of days. Do you believe there are tapes? 20% of you say yes, 70% say no. And yes, the the always president, present 10% say, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's okay. Just jump in. Um, I have a couple of different things to get to today. And the second one. The second one is, um, I'll, I'll probably kick off next hour with it, because I want to try and let the tapes question ride for a little bit. I would love to know. Love to know what you think about. The second one, I also have some interesting questions for you. Uh, today, we're seeing yet the next shoe to drop in the Democrats' attempt to stop the president from doing anything. Anything. They realized, it seems like they realized he, he's won the election. But now two states have filed lawsuits against Donald Trump. Uh, they're throwing up, out the emoluments clause and saying that the president is basically raking in cash profits because he owns golf courses, etc. And in the past, presidents have put their, their investments in a blind trust. Not so much with this president. I think he's put his kids in charge. But, you know, he talks to his kids. And it would kind of be difficult to say, you know, don't tell me anything about what's going on with the golf courses, especially after all the years of talking to the president about what's going on at the golf courses. And on top of it, the New York Attorney General is also investigating Eric Trump's foundation. And we talked about this last week on, uh, I think, the, both the Glenn Beck program and this program. The fact that Eric Trump's foundation has raised somewhere between 16 and $20 million for St. Jude's Hospital for kids with cancer. And uh, there's been a, a look at some of the things that are being uh, charged to the companies, to, to the charity. And there are some years that the money is more expensive. The cost of the golf tournament has been more expensive than previous years. One year, for example, it was about 50 grand. And one year it was about 300 grand. So why the variance? A fair enough question to ask. But if St. Jude's is cool with the percentage of money spent out of the money raised, you would think that the New York Attorney General would be cool with it too. But because it's just another way to mess with the Trumps, they're going to be doing an investigation. And this is all, all part of the, the way people abuse our legal system. And it's dying by a thousand paper cuts, you know, by constantly throwing things that you need to hire lawyers to look into. You are going to have 
a very expensive defense of your own life on your hands. It really does seem unfair. But just just so you know, eventually people are going to understand what you're doing, Democrats. Eventually people are going to see. And, and I think if Trump and the GOP would stand up and say, look, here's what's going on. Here's what's happening. We would like to lower your health care costs. We would like to do this. We would like to do that. But guess what? Because the Democrats keep lighting up all these little stupid things, we can't. So if you would just vote them out of office, we'll take care of this. I'm, I'm not 100% sure of that theory. I got to work it on, on it a little bit. But I think that's kind of where you have to put this. If nothing gets done, you have to blame the people who are preventing you from doing anything. Right now, it's the Democrats. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. If it's Monday and we had a good weekend here in the Northeast, then you know I was on the golf course. And I'm proud to tell you I'm not in pain. I don't have pain in my knees, my hips, my back. Why? Two words. Relief factor. That's right. Relief factor. The all-natural anti-inflammatory that I've been taking now for over three months And I will tell you, I stopped taking over-the-counter painkillers. I do not take prescription painkillers. I take Relief Factor at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's that simple. I got the three-week quick start pack. Think about it. Three weeks, it's a quick start pack to get you going. And once, I'll tell you, day eight, that's the day I know when it happened. On the eighth day, I put down that little bottle of gel-covered, painkillers. Don't use them. Just relief factor. Give them a call. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Relief factor. Go to relieffactor.com. See some of the details or call them and they will, they'll advise you on, on how, to, how to get started. I would just tell you three week quick start pack. It's $19.95. What are you waiting for? If you're in pain, if you have pain due to inflammation, Relief Factor helped me, and I'll, I'll bet it helps you. Give them a call, 800-500-8384. Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka. Oh, boy. So much coming up this week. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the president will take the counsel of Lindsey Graham a little bit. I think President Trump would be very well served if he would spend some time talking to Lindsey Graham, because I think Lindsey Graham has a very unique perspective. He's a guy who served this country in the military for 33 years. He's a guy who knows the legal system. He knows the government, you know, from his, his job as a senator. And I think he's also a guy with a unique understanding on the Middle East. 
He's a, he's a man who's, who's traveled to Israel dozens of times. I think more times than Joe Biden. And despite the fact that Graham and Trump bumped heads on the campaign trail, everybody bumped heads on the campaign trail. When you got 18 people trying to become the candidate, you know it's going to get ugly, and it did. Hell, remember, um, <laughs> remember Donald Trump gave out Lindsey Graham's cell phone number? <laughs> One of the more entertaining moments <laughs> of, the <laughs> of the 2016 presidential campaign. Trump <laughs> announced Lindsey Graham's cell phone number. So he had to get a new number. He also had to get a new phone. Everybody gave him heat because he had a, uh, a flip phone. But uh, this was Lindsey Graham. He made the rounds on the talk shows this weekend. This was Lindsey Graham talking about what we're getting done. On health care, you had said we're trying to do too much, too quick as Republicans. We're running through stop signs. Yeah. Is by July 4th running through a stop sign? We need to bring this to an end. The House uh, bill is dead in the Senate. Uh, the 10% of support by the American people for the House bill. The House bi members are mad at us for not taking up health care. We'll send us a bill that get 12% of support. The bottom line is the Senate is divided between Medicaid expansion states, non-Medicaid expansion states, the proper role of government. Mitch is trying to bring this together. It's going to be tough. My advice is if we can't replace Obamacare by ourselves, to go to the Democrats and say this. 10% of the sick people in this country drive 90% of the cost for all of us. Let's take those 10% of really sick people, put them in a federal managed care system so they'll get better outcomes and save the private sector market if we can't do this by ourselves. That's a good place to start. I don't mind that discussion. And I know there are some of you who will bristle at that. But let's think about it. Putting 10% of the people in the country into one pool versus putting all of the people in the country into a government managed pool, to me, a much better solution. And you're probably going to have a better outcome because it is true that 10% of all of us are driving a huge chunk of the health care costs. I talk to my brother about it all the time. He's a guy who's, who's been involved in some of these negotiations. The reality is at the very start of life and at the very end of life, medicine is expensive. And it's those those 10% of births and 10% of the senior population in their latter years who are driving the expenses. So why not create a special category and then let the free market determine the rest of it? Graham was talking about the president as well. All I can say is there's a lynch mob mentality about the Trump uh, administration in the press. They're about as fair as a lynch mob, but these tweets that he does feeds that lynch mob. You're your own worst enemy here, Mr. President. Knock it off. Yeah. It is kind of funny to think that a senator, a senator who's on your own team can say you're, you're your own worst enemy here, Mr. President. Knock it off. He's talking about the president and his tweets. Lindsey Graham also said that Donald Trump was, could be the first president to take himself out because of his own comments. And, you know, it's hard to disagree with that unless the president knows exactly what he's doing. But there are times that I think Donald Trump, the president, just goes off script because he's starting to feel more and more comfortable in the role. 
Now, maybe, just maybe, having, uh, having Melania and Barron in the White House will calm things down. Do, do you think? Maybe having Melania and Barron walking around the White House instead of Donald Trump all by himself at the end of the day, maybe that's going to put a slightly calming filter on Donald Trump and the things he says. I don't know. I'm speculating. But I think I think that is a possibility. I think that's a reality. All right, coming up uh, in the next hour, actually, we, we we're going to get to some uh, dumb news because there's some dumb news that I had to share with you. There may be some fake news today too. Uh, there were a couple of you sent me some things, which I appreciate. But I want to get to uh, I want to get to some of the stupid news, and then I need to talk about Puerto Rico. Yesterday in New York City was the Puerto Rican Day Parade. There have been years where that parade was the the most massive parade the city sees in a year. And this is a city that has some pretty big parades. Wasn't quite as large this year, and, and I'll tell you why. It had to do with a sort of a protest, a corporate protest. And if you listen to the Glenn Beck show today, the Glenn Beck program, you heard some of the... Some of the reporting about another corporate protest. Could it be that corporations are starting to realize that if you don't respect the presidency, if you don't try and make our conversation, our discourse a little bit more reasonable, that one half of the nation is going to take it out on you? Yeah, I think that's finally starting to happen. We'll, we'll get into that discussion because uh, we, if you think about it, last Friday we reported that uh, CNN fired Reza Aslan, the guy who called the president a piece of S and said that President Trump was a stain on the presidency. And then they initially said, well, no, he doesn't work for us. Well, yeah, yes, he does, CNN, or he did. They fired him on Friday. And while I want everybody to be able to say whatever they want to say, I also believe that a company has the right to associate themselves with whomever they wish. So if Reza Aslan turns out to be somebody you don't want representing you because he cannot stand the president of the United States and is openly saying disgusting things about him, then it's your right to cut him, which they did. So I'm not against censoring speech, but I am, against, I am for the free market delivering whatever answers are appropriate. So we'll, we'll get into uh, that because, as I said, there are a couple of little shining lights out there that make me think, gee, maybe there's, maybe there's hope. And also, maybe people are start, starting to realize that you just can't tick off 50% of the consumers in this country, especially in the flyover states. You know, Broadway, you might take a little page out of this too. Yeah, we'll talk about what was said at the Tony Awards last night as well. Mike Opelka and Pure Opelka, come on back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I think I think the Delaware Electric Company is doing something today. You know, we got those dumb smart meters. Yes, I, I see what I did there. And it's so hot today. They Before the day started, they put out a heat warning, which means they, they want you to not wash your clothes during the daytime. And that's fine. I can do the laundry at night. Don't use the dryer in the daytime. Sure. But don't mess with my air conditioning. I, I think they're dialing back the power a little bit. So we don't have a brownout, which we have had a couple years ago. We had rolling blackouts. But we're going to have two days of 90-plus degree heat. So everyone's freaking out up here. Thank you very little, Delaware Power Company. I forgot what their name is. Uh, Disneyland, kind of a weird scene over Disneyland is they had to call in a hazmat team. Now, I know what you're thinking. I, I would be very nervous, too. They called, they called the hazmat team to Disneyland in California recently. I think it was over the weekend. 17 people found themselves covered with this, this slimy substance. It came out of the sky, and they thought someone had, had sprayed something uh, possibly dangerous on this, this crowd of people six of whom were kids. Well, the hazmat team arrived, you know, the people in the suits, and they've got uh, the gloves and the, the head pieces, and they got all the people over in one area, and they started getting ready to kind of clean them off and find out what was going on. They, they took them out of the crowd so that, God forbid, there was something nefarious that had been sprayed into the air and now covered the people that it wouldn't get into the general population, you see, because that's, that's a bad idea at a theme park. And it would probably be a theme park's worst nightmare. After a few minutes, the hazmat team quickly ascertained this was not a terrorist attack. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, they, they reviewed the the footage on the security cameras in the park, some of which are on rooftop level, you know, second story rooftop level, and some are way up high on the lights that will illuminate Disneyland late in the day. But in this case, it was daylight. The lights did not illuminate anything, but the cameras picked up a large flock of geese that came overhead and unloaded on a group of people in the park. Like I said, 17 people were hit, six of which were children covered with a gooey duty bomb from the geese over Disneyland. I know, I know, it's not exactly lunchtime discussion, but, you know, I just want to let you know, at least Disney is on the case. I, got, I kind of feel like maybe this was a drill for them. But who knew that uh, you had to worry about a duty bomb at Disney from geese? <sighs> Sorry. Uh, if you're looking to live in two countries at once, you can do it. There's a house that straddles the U.S.-Canada border. It's in B.B. Plain, Vermont. It's on the market for $109,000. It's a 7,000-square-foot structure built in 1782. has one unique feature. 24-hour border security provided by both countries. 
if you buy the house, you are allowed to cross freely as long as you stick to the house and the yard. <laughs> Why? Why would you? Why would you not just rezone it, please? Can I guess Canada wants it, and maybe America wants, it, but it's up in Vermont. It's only $109,000 for a 7,000-square-foot home. I wonder what the taxes are like on this one. We'll have to look that up. And then uh, a New Jersey driver got arrested this weekend, probably overserved, as they say, very dangerous to drive with that kind of alcohol content that would have you smash into a mailbox and a fire hydrant. How did they catch him? Well, the driver pulled into a diner and uh, police followed a trail of water from his car, a trail of water from the fire hydrant that had gotten stuck in the grill of the car and was dripping a trail all the way to where he pulled off to get some food. What kind of adult doesn't know he has a fire hydrant stuck to the front of his car. I guess that dolt's name is Domingo Moreno. He's off the roads right now, probably for quite some time. When we get back, a second vital question of the day, and it's on a hot topic from the weekend. We'll ask you your opinion on what kind of a new flag are we going to design? Are we going to need one? I have questions about Puerto Rico. Join me after the break. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, all right. Second hour, and uh, there is a breathless, breathless of reporting on the news channels right now. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled on Donald Trump's travel ban. This is 2.0. Because remember, the first one got rejected. They kind of refit it, reworked it, and resubmitted it. And it went to the Ninth Circuit Court. But here's, again, you want examples of where government may waste money? Right here. This, this argument is already going to the Supreme Court. We don't need the Ninth Circuit or the Fourth Circuit or any of the circuits. Just short circuit the damn thing. <clears throat> and the Ninth Circuit's a more liberal court anyway, so you know what's going to happen here. Wasting time, wasting time, wasting time. Just stop it. All right, we'll hear this, but maybe that'll help them make their argument to the Supreme Court. There, the, the, um, the ruling just came out, but there's no apparent judgment on what's in there. They're going through the ruling to make sure. 
Before we went away, I said I have another vital question today because I I felt like we needed two vital questions today. The first one's on my Twitter account as we speak, and I'll put this one up too as we discuss it. Do we need a 51st state in the union? Better yet, um, could could we cut some states loose? Oh, man. I, after, after dealing with some of the junk in Delaware this weekend and reading in full what was proposed last week by the, the Delaware State Assembly, the state Senate passed a resolution, state, Senate Concurrent Resolution 27 in the state of Delaware, which would declare August 4th as Barack Obama Day in Delaware. This, this would not be a holiday, of course. No, not yet. Not until they, they wrap their heads around it and say, you know, we could squeeze in another holiday. This is such a waste of time. We have, we have solved every problem in the state, I guess. The opioid abuse problem that Delaware has, the, um, the gun problem that Delaware has. There are lots of illegal guns in the street and the cops aren't taking them up. <clears throat> but they they have passed a resolution in the Senate. It now heads to the state house to declare August 4th as Barack Obama Day in the state of Delaware. So you guys go ahead. Now that you've fixed everything, take care of this. And once this is done, I, I would love to move out. Can't move too far away, though. Moving, moving to uh, New Jersey is not an option. That's a state that won't let me have my Second Amendment rights. It's a state with very high taxes. Moving to Maryland, what a nightmare. Virginia, no thank you. Pennsylvania might be doable, but gosh, there are parts of Pennsylvania that, uh, Philadelphia, they're bluer than Delaware. But... But what about, so enough about cutting states out. There was a referendum in Puerto Rico over the weekend that said, you know, what do you think? You want to become a a state? Would you like to join the United States of America? And the first time I hear this being bandied about, my thoughts are immediately, wait a minute, do we get a say in this? Are we allowed? Uh, Excuse me, is it our choice here as Americans? Do we get to have any saying this and yes we do it's a non-binding referendum first of all and puerto rico is a united states territory which means the people of puerto rico have some participation in our government they um they don't pay federal income taxes unless unless they earn that money while in the 50 states so if you spend time in America, and you're, you're singing or performing or writing or doing whatever, and you're in the 50 United States, and you make some money, you're expected to pay taxes on that. And there are Puerto Ricans who volunteer to serve in our military. And I have great friends who are Puerto Ricans, who are some of the most wonderful people in the world. And about half of them want to be the 51st state, and about half of them don't want to be the 51st state. Now, yesterday, it was like 97% saying, yes, please, 
but only 23% voter turnout. So I'm sorry, that's not really a, a decent gauge. But Congress has the final say. Congress would decide whether or not we, uh, we offer Puerto Rico a shot at statehood. That does mean we'd have to add a star to the flag. And thankfully, 51 is not a prime number. So we can have three rows of 17 or any number of new designs. One thing's for sure, it'll create a new market for flags. I'll bet you somewhere in China there's a flag factory that's already working on new flags. But where do you guys stand on this? Do, how do you feel about Puerto Rico becoming a state? Trip, 888-900-3393, 888 I would love to know. I would love to know what some of my, my friends out there would think about Puerto Rico becoming the 51st state. Now, the, the referendum they had, the lowest participation of any Puerto Rican referendum since 1967. So it's not like this is on the top of the list. But they did this because of the 100th anniversary of the United States granting citizenship to Puerto Ricans. They can vote in the primaries, but they can't vote in the presidential elections. So Puerto Rico, I, I wonder if Puerto Rico's hoping to become a 51st state because of the, of the problems they're having economically lately. They have some pretty substantial problems. 3.4 million people on the island has a 12% unemployment rate. Compare that to the American unemployment rate of 4.3%. That's a pretty big hit. They, they're trying to pay their way out of the debt that they have, which is pretty massive compared to the size of the, the place they are. They have had uh, higher utility bills, higher taxes, Food is 22% more expensive than here in, in the United States. And generally, public services are more expensive as well. Now, if you're for it, they say that, that you're you know, just trying to strengthen the nation. And there are people who are against statehood who are worried about losing the cultural identity of Puerto Rico. Again, the people I know are pretty much split right down the middle. Right down the middle. But they say um, Carlos Delgado, the secretary of the opposition of uh, popular Democratic Party, told the Associated Press, the cost of statehood on the pocketbook of every citizen, every business, every industry will be devastating. Whatever we might receive in additional federal funds will be canceled by the amount of taxes the island will have to pay. So just think about it. They're going to learn the lesson that many big city residents have learned. Many people in states that have city, state, and uh, city, state, and federal taxes. So for all those years, Puerto Rico, that you've wanted to become a state, the minute you do, you suddenly have to pay federal income tax. I just don't know if people have thought about that. So where do you stand? Puerto Rico, statehood, yes or no? Is it time? Is it time to do it? They, they've been having these referendums 
off and on over the years. The last time was in 2012, and 54% said they wanted to become a state. 61, well, 54% said we would like to change our relationship with the United States. They didn't exactly come out and say we want to become a state. But of those, the 61% answered a second question saying they favored statehood. But a bunch of people left that question blank. So they want to know, do you want to change our relationship with America from being a territory to being something else? Maybe just being BFFs? That would take a lot of, uh, I think, federal money out of Puerto Rico. We'll see. There There are social programs that currently are not accessible to people who are uh, in Puerto Rico. But if they become a 51st state, then suddenly it opens up myriad social programs and support for the, for the Puerto Rican people that currently does not exist. So we'll see. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Last summer, Congress passed and uh, Obama signed a law that helped Puerto Rico with its fiscal crisis. It basically allowed Puerto Rico to to take on bankruptcy because it had a bunch of debt and it had this oversight board charged with carrying out a financial overhaul of the island. I don't trust any financial overhaul established by Democrats. It's just going to end badly. You know, politicians generally don't handle money well, but if it's, if it's led by Democrats to begin with, I think it's a going bound and determined to be a big mess. So if you want to weigh in, I'm going to post a, uh, a vital question on this. Where do you stand on Puerto Rico? Do we need a 51st state? Three rows of 17 on the stars. Is that the way to go? I'll put it up on Twitter. You can call in as well. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Answer the question. Michael Pelka on Pure Pelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I did just post a vital question. Puerto Rico's referendum says the island wants to become America's 51st state. What say you? And uh, there should be a poll up attached to it. Although it looks like the the poll didn't take. Ah, come on now. Come on, Twitter. Maybe we'll see it. Uh, I'll see if we can uh, maybe repost it. 
but I'm trying to figure out where we are in this. Is it Mark in uh, South Carolina, Savannah, or Savannah, Georgia? Savannah, welcome to the program, sir. Steve in Savannah. Sorry, I got hey, how you doing? I'm sorry I'm butchering your name and your location all in one call. It's remarkable. Hey, it's all right. It happens. Um, I don't see what's, uh, what's more American than a 23% voter turnout, so let them in. Oh, that, you know what? That's a really good point. That, that's that's uh, an excellent point. It seems kind of high, actually. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, that, that's the way I feel on it, at least. Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see much of an issue with Puerto Rico becoming a state. Yeah, they're already a territory. And I've known uh, just off, off one hand the, or several Puerto Rican uh, service members because I live right next to Fort Stewart, Georgia. Now, uh, we have a lot of what town is that near? What's the biggest town near Fort Stewart? Fort Stewart's just right outside of Hinesville, but the biggest one uh, is Savannah. Okay, I think I know where, you, and that's about 45 minutes away, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I've been there. I've been to that town. You guys have a lot of pawn shops and churches. Uh, we have a lot of pawn shops, churches, and divorce lawyers as well. $100 <laughs> divorce lawyers. Oh, my God. Yeah, I believe it or not, we used to be part of a a uh, dog rescue group that worked out of that town, and it was called the Underhound Railroad. And we would, because of uh, the the fort that you're talking about, a lot of guys, men and women, would get deployed, and they would leave their animals. And we, yes, once that, a month, take that, about a hundred of them north and uh, relocate them. And we're grateful for it too, because even even though you do that. There's still plenty left. They, I mean, they're all, or as soon as you leave, there's more dogs coming right back in. Yeah, there. it, it, it was, uh, and, and you got heat down there, too. We had some real hot days down there. Yikes. Yeah, I'm, driving, you, a, I'm driving a truck around with no air conditioning right now, so tell me about it. <laughs> oh, no, no. But I'll tell you, uh, Savannah, one of the favorite towns that we visited, not just for the, the history and the beauty, but the food was ridiculously good. I, I've had some of the oh. best memories of meals we had in Savannah, so we might have to come back. But uh, so, but seriously, where would you stand on this? Yes, no. What do you think? Is good idea, bad idea? Uh, absolutely, yes. Let them in. I think it's a great idea. And uh, even with Puerto Rico's numbers on unemployment and whatever, we have far worse issues in, in the country to worry about than their minuscule unemployment rate yeah and it is it's it's like one one chicago-sized town in terms of population chicago land is about three million and so that's about exactly. the same thing and and maybe being part of uh, officially part of the united states maybe that perks up travel maybe that helps out so who knows i, I, I know i'd be willing happening. to travel there more than i am right now you would be? Yeah, with, with it being a state, that means, uh, of course, since it's already a territory, I believe that it would be easier to travel there with it being full statehood instead of just a territory. That's a good point. And you might be able to do it just with a driver's license, not need a passport, et cetera. And I think it might be better. I wonder if it'd be better for the travel companies. We'll, we'll ask and see if we can figure things out. I appreciate you. Thank you for uh, for listening to this program, even on days when you're in a truck with no air conditioning. Yikes. <laughs>
Thank you, sir. Thank you. Wow. So if you want to weigh in, uh, 888-900-3393, I did post a, uh, a vital question with a poll, and I don't know if it's me or if it's Twitter, but it seemed like things were not exactly showing up. Uh, before the break, we were talking about, we were talking briefly about uh, the fact that, that uh, Donald Trump's travel ban was just ruled on by the Ninth Circuit Court. What, what a shock. They said no. <laughs> no way. It's, it's headed to the Supreme Court. And that's really the, the only way we can, we can get into this, is if the Supreme Court jumps on it and, and issues that ban. And Donald Trump is the guy saying, hey, uh, we, we really need it. It would have uh, made a big difference if, uh, if this kind of a ban had been in place in, in Europe. I don't know about that. We'll have to see. Uh, here's a quick update from the earlier vital question of the day. If there are tapes, uh, currently uh, we jumped. We had a massive jump in voting from about 100 votes to almost 500 votes in the last half hour. Uh, 23% of you say, yes, there are tapes. 64% say no, and 13% cannot decide. So uh, we'll know when the president decides to tell us, right? Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Uh, Michael Pelka, I am stepping aside here in just a second. A half an hour from now, we are going to talk with our friend, uh, Dr. Wendy Patrick. She wanted to weigh in on a couple of things, one of which is the Cosby case, because the defense in the Cosby trial rested today after just one witness. I'd like to know what that means. I don't, I don't fully understand it, but I would like to know what that means. And if you thought the Delaware move to make Barack Obama day uh, was the biggest waste of government time you've heard about this week, oh, there's a one that's even worse and dumber, and I'll share it with you next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. I'm a little worried about Chris Salcedo. I know he just had his little promo on there. Um, you know, he was away last week, and I, I wrote him to say, hey, welcome back. Missed you, buddy, because I was in Dallas, and it would have been nice to see him. You know, we like to, like to kind of give each other a hard time, you know, because he loves my impressions. He loves when I do impressions. I think it's his favorite thing about this show. But I didn't even get to see him, not in person. And I haven't heard from him. And I think Shamont called him on the phone and he hasn't answered his phone. So I'm wondering. I hope he's okay. We're worried about you, Chris. Check in, buddy. Anyway, just um, I'm just saying we're just trying to be careful. I know what you're thinking. I'm surprised Mike's here. Yeah, I, I'm surprised I'm here today, too, because 
one winning ticket was sold in the California in the Powerball, and it was in California, a tiny California liquor store sold the one winning ticket for Saturday's Powerball. The uh, the winner has not come forward yet. Four hundred forty seven million dollars. One ticket. Tenth largest lottery prize in American history. Now, here's the good thing. California is one of those states that when you sell the winning lottery ticket, you get a nice bonus. They get a million dollar bonus. So this little Marietta Liquor and Deli in Menifee, California, they are getting a $1 million retailer bonus. Wow. The people that run the store were talking to uh, the Associated Press or the Washington Post, one of those, and said, this will be very helpful. Uh, My dad has been diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis. And starting out the year, it seemed like it was going to be the worst year in the world. Now, six months later, our store hit the Powerball. So they get a million-dollar bonus for selling. There's one of the states, I think it was Maryland, in the last, uh, the last big Powerball winner. It was pretty close here to Delaware. But the, the gas station, it was at Cumberland Farms, I think they get $10,000. It's a little difference between the million dollars and the 10000 That seems a little cheap. The lottery's making money, so cut it out. Uh, now, I mentioned that, that there was a, a more government waste and a gigantic example of what a waste. When we think about our money, our money being spent in Washington, it, it's hard not to get angry. But when we hire people and send them to do the job, and then when we send them to D.C. and and they do stupid stuff, I think we ought to be able to recall them. I think that should be one of those deals. If you're if you're doing dumb stuff, you probably should be allowed to be recalled. And there maybe there should be two or three things that we could be able to point to and say, okay, this is dumb stuff. In in the state of Illinois. A former Cook County commissioner has been elected to Congress. His name is Mike Quigley. And uh, it looks like he represents in my, the, the district where the Chicago White Sox ballpark is headquartered. So, you know, I, I kind of get nervous because that's my baseball team of choice. So he's he's there, but, you know, it's. It's rare that you get a Republican representing that part of the world because, let's face it, Chicago. And Mike Quigley, Mike Quigley's a guy who uh, just came up with a, a, new, a new bit of legislation that, that he's trying to push through. And, and I think this one makes the Delaware idea of creating a, um, a holiday for Barack Obama's birthday, uh, just this this overshadows that. Quigley introduced the Kofefe Act today. Co-founder, co-chair of the Congressional Transparency Caucus, 
has uh, introduced the communications over various feeds electronically for engagement or COFEFE Act. So he actually came up with an acronym. That takes a little bit of time to do. Under, under the press release that they sent out under that heading, this bill codifies vital guidance from the National Archives by amending the Presidential Records Act to include the term social media as a documentary material, ensuring additional preservation of presidential communication and statements while promoting government accountability and transparency. Um, did we re- do we really need the COFEFE Act? Quigley, Quigley's a Democrat, no shock. He's a guy who, who wants, uh, he, he put another bill together earlier this year, the Making Access Records Available to Lead American Government Openness, or the Mar-a-Lago Bill. Do we get the sense this guy's a little obsessed with Trump? Now, you would imagine the tweets would become part of a presidential record. And why not? They are considered to be official statements by the president of the United States. But do we really need to rewrite law to write laws and push them through to make this happen? Apparently, Mr. Quigley thinks so. You know, Wendy, Wendy Patrick, who will be joining us in about a half an hour, has often said that the law has to catch up with technology because technology moves so fast. That may be the case here. But can't you just amend the current presidential uh, preservation, presidential records preservation act instead of creating an all new one? Again, this is how government just creates business and jobs for itself. It's not improving anything. Kofefe Act. Killing me. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this guy. Uh, I also mentioned that um, I'm getting a little tired of people who are dumbing down or making us a more crass society. I'm, I'm really getting tired of it. And this one surprised me. I mentioned this late Friday as I was wrapping up the Glenn Beck program. One of the two senators from the state of New York is someone um, I've had conversations with. I, and you know what? In, in reality, I've, I've had conversations with both of New York senators, Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand. But Kirsten Gillibrand last week, I think, stepped over the line. And she's, she's used some pretty rough language in the past, and I just don't know what the reason is. But she was speaking to a progressive group. And when talking about the president, she was discussing whether or not the president has kept his promises and then talking about what what Democrats should do and what Democrats as a party should do if if they can't really get anything done in Washington. And I just don't understand why this all has to be so, well, let's say crass. Has, Has he kept any of these promises. No. (laughs) No. Um, Instead. And she gets a round of applause. And somebody said, well, it is New York City and they are more than likely college students at this progressive uh, policy event on a college campus. 
So is she just playing to her audience? In the hour and a half we sat together and talked, I didn't hear her curse once. Maybe we're going to change her name to Cursing Gillibrand. She's Senator Cursing Gillibrand. She continues. <clears throat> Sorry. No, you're not. Um, I understand this is a younger audience. It's okay. And even though we as Democrats are on the right side of almost all issues, many hardworking families just haven't felt that we've been fighting for them. Fundamentally, if we are not helping people, we should go the f home. Fundamentally, if we are not helping people, we should go the f home. Ladies and gentlemen, the classy party, the Democratic Party, home of Senator Cursing Gillibrand. Seriously, not necessary. Remember what Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. Well, Senator, you're doing it wrong. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, if you asked me, if you offered me $10,000 to name the Secretary of Labor in the Trump administration, I would not know it. But uh, Alexander Acosta is holding a White House press briefing right now uh, because the president's announcing a, a new initiative trying to get people into apprenticeships, if you will. And yes, of course, during the televised cabinet meeting, President Trump emphasized the word apprentice and said what a great word it was. Uh, I think he does know what he's doing. I think pretty much everything. He's trolling the left and, and quietly, hopefully quietly, getting things done. There's a, a little bit more weird news. Top of the hour, we're going to be talking with our friend, uh, Dr. Wendy Patrick, about the latest news from the Cosby trial, which I thought was kind of surprising, and maybe what to expect in the Jeff Sessions testimony tomorrow in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee. But there are a couple other uh, weird news stories. The federal government operates a women's jail in Chicago. And they have a problem with strip shows. I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. You have strip shows going on in a women's prison? This sounds like a movie Jeffy would be directing. I know. But it's not. For years, people have been going to the top floor of a parking garage that's right across from the Metropolitan Corrections Center. And uh, putting on strip shows for the the women behind bars. And they apparently, they know about this and they flick the lights in their cell to show their appreciation. A representative for the Bureau of Prisons says, there's nothing we can do about it because A, it's not on our property and we have no authority to remove those people. The company that owns the parking garage when contacted, said, we don't know anything 
about this. You want to bet there's a little extra attention to the extracurricular activity shows this week? And this one I don't understand. This one raises all kinds of comments and all kinds of red flags. Uh, First responders in China were called to a facility where a woman had gotten her foot stuck in a toilet. You heard me correctly. There's a woman in China who got her foot stuck in a toilet. It took them six hours to free the woman. Six hours to get her foot out of the toilet. She was uninjured, by the way. And the first question I want to ask is, what were you doing that you got your foot stuck in the toilet? I mean, seriously. What was going on? What was happening? You got your foot stuck in the toilet? And why did it take six hours to get it out? I don't know what they were doing. Something funny. Some, there was some kind of funny business going on. Maybe. Uh, when we get back from uh, the break, oh, I might even have time to do this. Mika Brzezinski is um, going after both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. You know, she declared Trump crazy. I think, I think we played that clip for you last week. But today, today she went after Hillary pretty hard. Off the book. It's not yeah. your answers. It's Hillary's answer. Oh, okay, and the Democrats' sorry. answer to what the message is. It goes on forever. There isn't yeah. one. And well, that was the problem there, all there, the way there, up there until was. election You know, day. it's funny. Mika Casey threw out the campaigns. Mika even ridiculed Hillary's campaign uh, slogans because they were so blah. I'm with her. Stronger together. What does that mean? Stronger together. What does that mean? Tell me what it means. What does it mean? And who is the face? Americans, they vote for people, for president. So who we got? Who carries these ideas for the Democrats? So they're slamming Hillary. And at the same time, Mika is saying Donald Trump is like a five-year-old when they were talking about the tapes, about the tapes. Right. There are no tapes. There are no tapes. So that this so, is more like next on The Apprentice. Are there tapes? Mm, I don't know. It, or it, no tapes? I think it might be. We'll be right back with the is answer. Is it a guy? And then you come back from the break, and it's like, mm. are there tapes? We'll let you know I, next week. I, I just on wonder. The Apprentice. I, Mika did say Trump was like a five-year-old. President Trump once again hinted at the possible existence of taped conversations with former FBI, FBI director James. So, so do you think there are there? Does anybody here think they're taped? No, I think he's dangling this out. You know, like this in, is crazy. Oh, you know what God. this reminds me of? I'm not this reminds me of the Beatles. Shrill so, so, or over the top. So the Beatles. I'm just not because it's totally boring. Okay, but hold it's on. like dealing with a five-year-old. I got a story. And if for you, you react to a five-year-old, <laughs> they get worse. I got a story for so you. So instead, I'm just going to say yes. He's lying about tapes. Ooh, Mika says he's lying about tapes, even though he said nothing concrete about the tapes. Dr. Wendy joins us next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. 
only on the Blaze Radio Network. Third hour, Piero Pelkey. You want to join the conversation? 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. A lot to cover. We still have a whole lot to cover. There are some very important issues left uh, and some breaking news out, out of just about everywhere you look. There's something going on. Um, I don't, you know, I don't pretend to know a lot about the law. I just kind of know what makes sense, and every now and then the law surprises me. But I, I think, I think that's why I have such a great appreciation for our regular guest on Mondays at this hour, Dr. Wendy Patrick. WendyPatrickPhD.com is where you need to go to know more. Author, uh, attorney. She's somebody who knows what's going on in the courtrooms and also pays attention to people while they're testifying and sees things that you and I don't see, you know, body language stuff. So I asked Dr. Wendy if we could talk about some courtroom stuff today because we have the defense resting in the Cosby case, which I thought was really fascinating. They had one witness. But uh, Dr. Wendy's with us again, joined me Friday on the Glenn Beck program. So I appreciate you doing double duty. Welcome back, my friend. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. And you always forget to, to mention Michael Pelka fan. That's a big part of my introduction as well, <laughs> because your instincts are often right on the money, whether or not you're a lawyer. <laughs> well, you're kind. But, you know, I, I'm a graduate of um, the Scheindlin Law School, Judge Judy Scheindlin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a little slow. My my uh, my Judge Judy law degree has taken like 15 years because, you know, I only get a, a half hour or an hour of class every day. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> and, you know, most of it is contract law when I get into it, because that's really what most of, I, I think, Judge Judy covers when she covers legal disputes. There's very little criminal stuff because, you know, it's uh, her stuff is small claims civil court, which pretty much gets down to contract law most of the times, unless it's a, a dog bite or uh, somebody stole a phone from somebody, which I didn't realize just how much of that was going on. You know, who knew? But. Yeah, the, the Cosby trial is a little more involved, but, you know, what it really has come down to over the last week uh, is, you know, patterns make the predator. And it would have been, obviously, a much stronger case had more of those 60 uh, women that accused Mr. Crosby had been permitted to testify. But they can do it with just one because it really was about the same conduct uh, with both of the victims that have been permitted to testify. Of course, the main victim, Andrea Constant, and then the, the one prior. But, you know, the jury is going to have to decide whether or not Constant's credibility it has been destroyed by the defense cross-examination or whether it remains means intact, whether or not she remembers every single detail of the encounter. Now, many people assume the trial was going to take a lot longer than it did, but Mike, that's typical in a lot of criminal cases. You know, sometimes there's a, you know, months, years worth of buildup and a very short prosecution case, but that doesn't mean it's any less powerful or that there's any less chance of getting a conviction. It's also very telling that the defense only put on one witness. This case actually is more typical of many criminal trials than the public realizes, because sometimes these sensational cases take on a life of their own where you really don't need that much to meet the elements of the crimes charged. This may be one of those cases. Hmm. 
Hmm. You know, it's it's there has to be all kinds of war gaming before a defense sets out their plan and how they're going to fight the the charges. And then I guess once the trial starts, that plan also has to flex. So who knows what the Cosby defense team initially set up and that maybe depending on how they felt their cross-examination of some of the uh, original prosecution witnesses was going, maybe they've... Now, Wendy, you might be able to answer this question. It just popped into my head. In a case that's as high profile as this, as this Cosby case, would the prosecution have its own jury somewhere in a room watching the trial so they could get a sense of how the testimony and the cross-examination was going? Absolutely. They use focus groups, which is the kind of thing you're talking about, just like the defense does. Um, It's an excellent point, and it also is an excellent point what you made about the defense, because think about this. The more witnesses the defense puts on, the broader potential rebuttal a prosecution is going to be able to have. So there is a strategy in deciding how much or how little to present in terms of opening the door to more damning evidence being admissible by the prosecution. You know, we've seen some cases where the defense doesn't put on a single witness, and if the prosecutor didn't prove what he or she wanted to prove, they now have to either ask for leave to reopen or they're just barred from doing it because that door hasn't been opened. That, by the way, is also the reason Bill Cosby won't take the stand, as he himself admitted. So these are definitely some of the dynamics going on behind the scenes on both sides and seeing, you know, have they made their point through cross-examination or do they need to keep calling witnesses? Great point. It's just really interesting to me. And, you know, the, the theory of calling one witness And that was that detective who also testified for the prosecution. It's almost as if you're saying to the jury, you know, the prosecution's case is so weak, the only witness we're going to use was one of their witnesses. That seems to be a, a little bit of a head game as well. Not that a lawyer would ever do that in a trial. I'm sure that never happens. You know, not only that's all head games, but also is the optics. Now, it's not evidence, but did you notice that today was the first day that Cosby arrived in court arm in arm with his wife, Camille? She wasn't there last week. He brought a different supporter on different days. But Camille comes today. Now, maybe that's to have an impact on the jury because it's closer in time to closing arguments. Who knows? But you're right in that it's all strategy. It's all a chess game, which is what makes it fun. Uh, And the most interesting thing is, you know, a lot of the optics, they're not evidence. In other words, whether or not Bill Cosby comes to court with his wife is not a piece of evidence that the jury should be considering. But they're human beings and, you know, they're going to talk about it. Yeah, of course. And and the jury can't help because they are humans, as you said, that That's right. they're going to notice. Oh, my gosh. And, and you have to wonder if the focus group jury or the focus group might have been saying, you know, Bill Cosby's been coming to court with celebrities and famous people. Where's his family? Where's his family? Where's his wife? Is she no longer supporting him? What does she know that we don't know? Absolutely, Mike. It's it's all in it's all in the cards. I also think it's interesting that she didn't come every day. You know, lots of times that is another strategy is who comes to court. And again, even though it's not evidence, jury's not supposed to consider it. Obviously, they see it. So we, you and I don't know all of the facts and circumstances, but it sure is interesting the way the the optics seem to really be changing the way this trial has progressed um, and that Camilla just came today. 
Yeah, I saw her walking in, and we were uh, in the pre-show. We were watching the video, and you saw you saw Mrs. Cosby walking, as you said, arm in arm. But she had her head up and was smiling for the cameras. Yeah. Yes. Which I thought, my gosh, if your husband is on trial for this sexual assault and he's been alleged to be involved in dozens, nearly 60 others. Do you think, would you be coming into court with your head held high and smiling for the cameras and looking left and looking right? That that one just got me. That one made me do you, a double take. You know, so, she has come across to both sides as to our hearts and prayers go out to that woman. Can you, I mean, it's unfathomable what she's had to put up with. And the fact that she's able, as you mentioned, to come to court with her head held high, she must have some really strong inner dignity and faith to be able to do that. Uh, you wonder whether point. she did it for the cameras, but it sure did look uh, authentic. I watched the same footage as you did. I Amazing. wonder, though, you remember when we had the Hillary Clinton uh, question, why is she standing by her man when Bill was obviously tied up with the Monica Lewinsky thing? Just a, a really fascinating contrast between the two. And yet they both stood by, but she was head held high at his side at court today. That That's interesting to me. Now, I know I don't have you for too long, but I got to get into the Jeff Sessions testimony yes. tomorrow. I talked to Louis Gohmert on Friday. And, you know, Louis is such a hardworking guy and he just wants to be efficient and get stuff done. And it's, Louis says it's it's driving him nuts that we have three different investigations plus a special counselor uh, going through everything on the the allegations of collusion, et cetera. And uh, and of course, Diane Feinstein wants a fourth investigation. She wants to look into Loretta Lynch and whether or not she interfered with the Hillary Clinton investigation with her comments. But with Jeff Sessions tomorrow, he's asked for an open open session in this this congressional testimony. Uh, is there any chance we're going to learn anything we don't already know? Well, I think we've already heard denials of the third meeting with the, the Russian ambassador. But, you know, remember, Jim Comey surprised us with some of the things that he said in his testimony. Uh, Jeff Sessions might as well. What's interesting, though, Mike, is the fact that he chose to ask for this open hearing. And, and why wouldn't he? I mean, every time there's a closed hearing, we are so, so plagued by leaks. Nobody even knows what to believe. Also, perhaps it's something that strategically might sit better with the president, who otherwise would be relying on leaks like the rest of us. So, you know, the fact that he wants to do the te- wants to do it publicly, I think, is to his benefit. We will probably see that. Now, it'll be interesting, Mike, and I know you and I are both going to be watching. Given that he's asked to testify publicly, it probably won't look too good if he declines to answer questions. So that is a tightrope you're going to have to be walking. Because you know they're going to be asking him at least some things he's probably going to be uncomfortable answering. So given that he asked for a public testimony, he's going to be hard-pressed to come up with reasons that his answers cannot be public. So it's what? sure going to be interesting. I'll bet we will learn something new. I hope so. I hope so. Because, you know, Tuesdays are tough days for me, biorhythmically. And if I don't learn something, I feel like I've wasted a whole day. So <laughs> you better just... start thinking that you learn something new every day and with every guest. <laughs> that's true. And some days, whether I need it or not, that's, you know, right. there, there are days that I, I'd rather sleep through the day and not learn anything. Too much but who information knows? Information is not always a good thing. You're right. <laughs>
Now, tomorrow, uh, all of this. Uh, now, here's the interesting thing. CNN goes, coverage. Coverage begins at 2 p.m. Eastern. That means he's not going to testify until 3 o'clock. Let's all be honest, everybody. Let's not worry about uh, missing the last hour of this show uh, tomorrow because it's, it's not going to start till 3 o'clock. So we'll, at least we'll be able to watch it. Uh, I had two vital questions of the day today that I posted on the Twitter, Wendy, and I'm going to quiz you on both of them. Do you think there are tapes or not from Trump's White House? I don't think there are tapes. Uh, That's partially because of some of the things Trump has done before in other lawsuits that's been publicized a lot over the weekend. Um, So, you know, again, patterns make the person. That's one of the things it says in my book. It's possible that is the same thing here. Very, you know, first of all, very smooth. I forgot. I didn't get I didn't plug red flags. That's Wendy's book. If you want to see about (laughs) spotting those those bad folks in your life and how to get rid of them. Red flags. It's about those frenemies. And the second vital question, Puerto Rico, 23 percent of the people voted uh, to make them a state and they voted 97 percent in favor of statehood for Puerto Rico. Uh, Are you an up or down on Puerto Rico and statehood? You know, I I would want, just like any good lawyer, to learn a lot more about the arguments on both sides of that to weigh in. Just just like uh, Judge Judy doesn't make a snap decision, because I know you're a fan of hers, I'd probably need to to learn a little more about that one. The interesting thing here, and I put it up, and a lot of the audience has some some very um, strong reactions to what's going on here on the question about Puerto Rico becoming a state. Well, first of all, yeah. in the first vital question on the on the tapes, you're in the majority. Uh, Ninety or sixty five percent of the people are saying no, no, uh, we we don't believe there are tapes. Twenty three percent say yes. Twelve percent are confused. But here's the the rub on the Puerto Rico statehood question. Thirty one percent say yes. Forty one percent say no. And 28% are like you. We need to know more, they're saying. But here's an interesting twist. Pretty much based on the population of the island, you're going to guarantee there's two more Democratic senators and probably three more members of the House, right? Because I think that's about the populations. I'd have to look into the population breakdown. Fascinating point. And I wonder whether those that already weighed in on that online question knew that, because politically, uh, sometimes, you know, that motivates the way we want all kinds of things to go in this country. So that's a fascinating point you bring up. Yeah, you suddenly you suddenly have a possibility to change the power of uh, the control of Congress. Exactly. And for some single issue voters, that may be the single most important reason they either are in favor or not of statehood. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Dr. Wendy Patrick, wendypatrickphd.com is where you find her. The book is Red Flags about how to spot those frenemies in your life. Thank you, my friend. I hope we speak soon. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. 
they are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know I'm going to talk to you about Relief Factor, the thing that has worked for me, the all-natural anti-inflammatory that has gotten me away from any kind of painkiller, over-the-counter prescription. I don't need it anymore. My knees don't bug me. My hips don't bug me. My, My back doesn't bug me because I started on the three-week quick start program with Relief Factor. You don't believe me? Check out Nicole. Nicole said she had a successful experience with Relief Factor too. I started getting numbing, like carpal tunnel, but then I started realizing it was all up in my shoulder. The cramping, the pain, it was almost unbearable. When I started taking Relief Factor, it just seemed like everything relaxed and I'm able to stretch it out now. I'm able to work it out. I'm able to sleep. To me, it is a lifesaver. It is, and it's been very helpful for me as well. I'm more active. I'm doing things that I thought I was going to have to curtail. It's relief factor. Get the three-week quick start pack for $19.95. Call them, 800-500-8384, or check out relieffactor.com. You know, there, I, I'm looking at the list of things I need to cover today, and there's so much going on. There is so much going on. I was, I was talking to Shamant during the break because uh, there are some, some real interesting things going on in the world. We were talking about um, Puerto Rico wanting to become a state, a group of people in Puerto Rico wanting to become a state. And that's a big deal, especially when you think about uh, the, the reality, as one of our vast and unpaid resource department folks pointed out, that if Puerto Rico becomes a state, then you have the distinct possibility of adding two more Democratic senators to the Senate and upsetting the balance of power. I'm more upset about us making sure... You know, I'm willing to consider Puerto Rico, but we have to think about all the repercussions and what could happen if Puerto Rico does become a state. And it's not just about flags. I'm also worried about the people who are here who don't want to become part of the United States. They want to be apart from the United States. Consider the woman who was speaking and C-SPAN played this statement from a Muslim woman, and it should concern you. Education is one of the most important areas that Muslims have to address. And while our objective, our final objective, is not just to become part of the system that we experience now and that we see, our objective, our final objective, is to create our own Islamic systems, and not only create Islamic systems for Muslims, but to look at all the other people who are sharing this country with us as potential Muslims. There's more on this story. There's a lot more on this story, and this should scare the hell out of you. We'll 
dig a little bit deeper on this. And I got another place that wants to become its own state. I'll, I'll share this with you after the break. Come on back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Welcome back. Welcome back. We've got about a half an hour left before Chris Salcedo returns, invades the building, which is a good thing. Um, before we went away, I was playing for you something that should make you nervous. And it was from a C-SPAN clip that aired just a couple of years ago. And uh, I think it was like seven or eight years ago. This woman is standing up in front of a room full of people. Looks like a hotel ballroom full of people. And talking about Muslims in America. And the reason it should scare the hell out of you and out of others is because, A, it was seven years ago and this thinking still continues. And... Not only does it continue, but it mirrors what was going on in London two decades ago when Anjem Chowdhury, a cleric who has just now recently been locked up, was on the streets and in the, in the uh, imams or speaking to the imams in the mosques on the same level, talking about the mission is not to become part of American society, to not blend in, to not become American, but the other way around, to get inside of America and overturn America. The whole clip is about a minute. And she talks about education to begin with. Remember, we talked about how taking over the education system was key to the progressives having such success in America down the road. Well, the Islamization of America and the changing of America, which is the ultimate goal, is part of part of the uh, the program here. I'll let this woman speak. Areas that Muslims have to address, and while our objective, our final objective, is not just to become part of the system that we experience now and that we see, our objective, our final objective, is to create our own Islamic systems, and not only create Islamic systems for Muslims, but to look at all the other people who are sharing this country with us. The people who are sharing this country with us. So it's no longer America. It's a country that you are sharing with us. You're allowing us to share it. And talking about creating Islamic systems within we, we had the case like a year and a half ago in Texas, very close to where the Blaze Studios are, where the, the city council, and they're running, they're running Muslim candidates for city council. The city council is being pressured to set up Sharia courts in the city council in Irving, Texas. This woman continues. She's, 
She's not hiding the agenda. This aired on C-SPAN. Potential Muslims. And if we look at them as potential Muslims and feel that we have the obligation, which Allah has told us, to try to bring them into the same style of thinking, into the same uh, way of behaving, into the same objectives that we have, then we have to have some way that we can communicate with them and some way we can work with them. And in that long-range process of making America Muslim, all of America Muslim, then we have to have some actual short-range goals. We have to have some way of dealing with them and know how we're going to deal with them and in which ways and be very calculated about it or else we will not accomplish our goals. Our goals, which include making America not great again, but making all of America Muslim. Now, you, you can call me anti-Muslim if you want. I'm not. I think if you're a Muslim and you want to worship your faith, great. But I, I would just like you to blend in. I'd like you to also, because you have to be an American first, and then you have to practice your faith as your faith dictates. But it's not a murderous, crazy faith that wants you to convert everyone. No, that's not going to happen. Slowly but surely, these people are establishing enclaves in certain cities in America. Dearborn, Michigan, one of them. And I'm sure there are others all over the country. But we just have to be aware. We need to be electing people who are saying, look, if you, if you say the Pledge of Allegiance, if you support America and what we stand for, then we need you truly to become Americans and not to look at us as someone who's been hanging out here, just keeping this country idling for you so you can jump in when we're gone and you can turn it over into a Muslim nation. The woman said this is what they wanted to do. This is part of the grand plan. And if you don't think that's in the minds of the people who are coming here and doing this, you're foolish. You're very foolish. I am all for Donald Trump's heavy vetting of anybody who wants to come here. I want to make sure the people who want to come here want to be here because of the freedom and want to be here because of what we know makes America great and it's opportunity, it's freedom, it's free speech. It's Well, we're going to get into that. I've got a clip from Reagan I have to play before we get out of here today. Something that happened on this day in 1987, 30 years ago. Can you believe that? Yikes. But I also wanted to stress that in the, in the case of this woman who was trying to blend in and telling, telling the Muslims to keep your, keep your long-range goals intact, but find a way to communicate with these people and educate these people. But in the end, the long-range goal is the Muslimization of America, all of America. Those are her words. Now, let's, let's take that clip and put that in perspective with the news that we got uh, yesterday or the day before. The London Bridge terrorist, one of the three guys who was killed last week by the British security forces, Mr. Mr. Butt, Karim Butt, 
this guy was trying to get a job at the security firm that was contracted to protect Wimbledon. This guy was trying to get a job and apparently had gone through the process a little bit. He was the ringleader of the most recent London Bridge terror attack. He's graveyard dead now. But he had set up job interview, a job interview with the security firm that supplies the safety stewards to Wimbledon and other soccer clubs that are in the area. There would be no bigger target for a, an Islamic terrorist than Wimbledon with all of the world gathered to celebrate sport and tennis. And you, you don't see a lot of Muslim tennis players, at least not in full burqas, this would have been a crown jewel in a terror attack. I think we dodged a bullet on this one. And fortunately, this guy did not dodge a bullet. But let's hope, because Wimbledon's right around the corner. The French Open just wrapped up with Rafa Nadal winning his 15th Grand Slam title. What is it, the 10th? 10th? Just amazing. But Wimbledon will be a target. So security will have to be a priority. We will see. God bless the security guards and the people of MI5 in England. Keep them all safe. You never know whose nephew might be playing in that tournament. Let's hope. I'm, I'm going to step aside for a minute. When we come back, we'll do a little bit of history today because there was big history. Some pretty big history happened on this day. Uh, some good history and some horrible history and some inspiring history, including the words of Ronald Reagan. And I'll share them with you next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. I can't believe we almost have to get out of here. There's too much going on. Uh, answer, answer the vital questions of the day. There's two of them on Twitter. One of them is about the fact uh, that uh, Puerto Rico's non-binding referendum says they want to become a state, even though only 23% of the people who could vote did vote. Embarrassing. But it's non-binding, and Congress has a say in that. And then I wonder what you think. Are there tapes? Did did the president record his conversation with Jim Comey? Maybe. Uh, this, this show loves history. We love looking back because we like to learn what happened on this day back in the day. And today is one of those days, June 12th, that uh, will live on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And uh, the, the stuff that happened on this day back in the day, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman were murdered on this day in 1994. And I, I remember exactly where I was. And, and then the following uh, couple of days later when we had the slow speed car chase with OJ in the white Bronco. 
he was hiding in the back as his buddy was driving him. But also on this date in 1776, Virginia adopted George Mason's Declaration of Rights, kind of a, an early blueprint of the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence, kind of mush them together. So you can look at that if you want to do a little history. But in 1987, on this date, President Ronald Wilson Reagan was in Germany. The Berlin Wall was still up. And this is uh, one of Reagan's most famous Cold War speeches. He had been trying to get the Soviet Union leader, Mikhail Gorbachev, to open up and, and try to bring the, the communist nations back into the world community because they weren't working. Those, those communist nations were failing. And Reagan also knew his strategy to to get the the Russians, the Soviets, to spend themselves into bankruptcy was going to ultimately break up the Soviet Union. So on this day, on this June 12th, Ronald Reagan was at the Brandenburg Gates in uh, West Berlin. And there were a mass of people who were waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting and Reagan stood up and delivered a, a speech that gave us an iconic moment in, in American history, in world history, in presidential history. It's one of those moments that people quote all the time. You know, it's like Kennedy at the same location saying, Ich bin ein Berliner. And for Democrats, that was one of the biggest political quotes. And I think this one was for Republicans, but also for people who love freedom. Ronald Reagan, I'll just give you about a minute or so of it. Reagan at the Brandenburg Gate. In the 1950s, Khrushchev predicted, we will bury you. But in the West today, we see a free world that has achieved a level of prosperity and well-being unprecedented in all human history. In the communist world, we see failure. There is one sign the Soviets can make that would be unmistakable, that would advance dramatically the cause of freedom and peace. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate so a wonderful statement and you're saying where's the tear down the wall moment the gate being open was important and reagan waited for the crowd he waited a little bit longer let the applause die down they were waving flags and cheering mr gorbachev mr gorbachev Tear down this wall. That, that was the moment. That was one of the greatest moments of the 80s, one of the greatest moments of the, of the president's amazing, amazing time in office. That's, that's one of those Ronald Reagan moments that I remember, that I got chills when I heard it. And it's one of those things that we have to... We have to always look at history and try and remember and learn that we are the beacon. We are the, the Earth's last best hope for freedom. 
So that's why I get upset when I hear people like the Muslim woman saying that they want to come here and take this country for themselves to convert this country. The multiculturalism of America is what made us great. The multiculturalism. And, and let's face it, Sharia law is not going to make America great. It's not going to bring business back. It's not going to let freedom ring. So that's why I get so passionate about it. I didn't get to the story about the Biden family again. I didn't get to the new country that the other state that wants to break up into a new country. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll save it for tomorrow. There's plenty, plenty more to do. Plus, we have Jeff Sessions' testimony. Pre-game starts at 2. I expect you to be here early at noon. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.